The John Morris Show, episode 131. The John Morris Show. Your life on code. Ladies and gentlemen, John Morris. Hey, so did you guys see this uh, this whole thing with Ryan Lochte going on? I, I mean, I know it's not a technical thing, but it's kind of crazy you think about it. I, I do think there is a lesson for developers with all of this. You didn't, uh, if you haven't been paying attention to it, Ryan Lochte's an American swimmer, and when they were in Rio, I think it was just a little bit before they're getting set to come back, so they'd done all their events and so forth, and they were out partying, and they claimed that they had been robbed at gunpoint, and so this kind of made this big deal about it, and at first or immediately. Uh, the authorities, the International Olympic Committee, denied the story, denied that they were robbed. Well, they kind of stuck to their story and even had Lochte's mom come out and say that the story was true. Uh, he went and he, Ryan Lochte, did an interview, a TV interview with NBC, I believe it was, saying, talking about the the incident and how he had been robbed and so forth and kind of went all in on this. And then the, the authorities in Rio ended up finding the film of the convenience store where this supposedly happened and released the film. And it showed that actually Lochte and his friends were being kind of belligerent. They did have an altercation with security there for the convenience store. And then but the 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 police there or the authorities there never put a gun in his face and didn't rob him or anything like that. Ultimately, Lochte was forced to recant, kind of recant the story. Said he had embellished it, and now the latest thing to come out is that the authorities in Rio are filing charges for uh, Brazilian police are filing charges against Lochte. Lochte for filing a false robbery report. So we'll see what happens as a result. But the that charge under Brazilian law carries a maximum of 18 months in prison. But what I want to point out is just uh, uh, as all of this was happening, as it was found out that he was lying, you know, he's immediately dropped by all his sponsors. You know, everybody's been been pretty hard on the guy. And this is, you know, outside of Michael Phelps, one of America's top swimmers. And I think this serves, this is something that's non-tech, but it serves as a lesson or an example of the balance that you have to find, that you have to strike between what you might call the hard or the technical skills for, in his case, being he's a very good swimmer. He's one of the more talented swimmers out there, has won different Olympic medals and so forth, a very highly talented guy. So you have to strike the balance between those kind of hard skills and the soft skills and integrity. And so it just shows that people value integrity or tend to value to integrity more than they do talent. And I bring that up because I find a lot of developers Kind of forget that when we get into coding. If you were to go to any other job, you know, if you were to go 
make pizza or cook chicken or you go to work construction or so forth. Most of us would, it would be obvious that while the technical skills are important, you need to learn those things. Integrity, honesty, reliability, work ethic, all of those sorts of things oftentimes end up being more important than whatever technical skill you happen to have at any given point. But for some reason, it seems like when we get into coding and development and so forth, people have this notion that all that matters is your technical skill. And people do it both ways. I've, I've seen it both ways. People think that they're, they're, they get so to a certain level of skill, they get good enough as a coder that they don't have to be a decent person <laughs> to talk to. I, mean, I, get, I get emails all the time from developers who are just horrible people to work with. I mean, I couldn't imagine spending more than five minutes with these people, let alone a whole day as a employer, employee or, or a employer or a coworker. Yet these people think because they've acquired a certain level of talent that everything else just disappears. So you have people who do it that way. But then you also have people who do it the other way, who don't have these technical skills and think that as a result, they can't get some sort of tech job. They don't think that all those same things that they would, you know, that they would expect to have some sort of merit in any other job suddenly have no merit in a tech job. Again, not true. Now, you have to, you know, if you you have to apply for the right positions, you're not going to go with no skill and be a senior developer or consultant or a manager or whatever, a lead developer. You have to have the skill for that kind of thing. But you can get an entry-level job without a ton of skill if you're someone who's reliable, has integrity, is willing to put in the time and has the work ethic to learn, is easy to work with, etc. All those things still very much matter. And in a lot of ways, especially for an entry-level position, but really throughout your career, in my opinion, those things often, as a whole, will trump technical talent. Not that you don't need technical talent, but if you're really, really talented and you're just a wreck to deal with, you're not going to get very far. Whereas if you're someone who's honest, hardworking, easy to get along with, not afraid to learn, you can often get a lot of leeway when it comes to your actual technical skills. So let Ryan Lochte be your example. It's not just in the tech world, it's everywhere that people tend to value integrity and honesty and all these soft skills over hard technical skills. Now, that's not what I wanted to talk about at all today, but hopefully you guys got a little bit of value out of that. I saw, I was seeing the news uh, reels going through and, and it's kind of everywhere right now. So I thought it was interesting and just kind of stuck out to me about that whole situation. Anyway, what I want to get into today is we're going to be, I got a question over on YouTube from D. McDonald. And his question was, had a lot to do with balance. So his question was, John, I know you have a background in marketing, but for those of us who don't, how do you balance getting better at coding and learning to market yourself 
better as a developer. In the world of nickel and diming clients on sites like Upwork, how do you reach that balance of technical skill and value? And I think this is a very, very good question. This is one of those questions that when I get, it's it strikes me as someone who's really paying attention and really trying to work through all of this and is tackling something that's really a legitimate roadblock for them. It's not one of those kind of common questions that people tend to tend to ask without really doing any sort of research or experience on their own. This is someone who's really trying to 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 figure this stuff out and is now experiencing this as a roadblock for them. So I thought this was a really great question. That's why I wanted to dedicate an entire podcast episode to it because there's a lot that actually goes into this and it's a prime example of a lot of the stuff that I constantly talk about. And I think it gives makes a good argument for why I advocate the approach I do for you and your career. And it also kind of creates a a thread or helps integrate a lot of the stuff that I talk about along a kind of a single line of thought and where that stuff comes from. So that's what I want to get into in this episode. Of course, before we do that, I need to take a break. We'll need to pay a few bills here. So once we get back from the break, I'm going to dive in to that question and how you can go about building your career in a really methodical way with the right kind of balance and I think ultimately get where you want to go much faster uh, than if you take kind of more of the traditional advice route. So we'll get into all that after the break. You're listening to John Morris Show and JohnMorrisOnline.com. You know, it's kind of funny. Every time someone uh, joins my email list, I ask them a very specific question. I ask them, what would you say if I could, if I told you I could teach you how to master PHP in the next few months? And I get a lot of interesting answers. Now, I get a lot of people who, you know, they say, sign me up. Where do I start? Let's do this, right? I get people who are a little more skeptical who say, um, it would depend on the details, you know, if it costs, what it costs, et cetera. And then I get people probably on the most skeptical end who are like, well, what does it exactly take to master PHP? And all these are really great questions. Now, let me ask you this, since you're here listening. What if I told you that you could learn everything that you needed to know for PHP to get started working full-time in PHP, to actually get off of that nine-to-five you hate and start making your living as a coder? You can learn everything that you needed to know, 265 lectures, over 28 hours of content for just 37 bucks. I hope that your answer is a resounding yes, because I can tell you this is a very unique opportunity compared to the way I had to go through it and the way developers in the past have had to do it. So I don't want you to underestimate this because there's you know, there's a lot more options out there now today. But I see people out there spending two, three thousand dollars on boot camps, spending tens of thousand dollars go going to college, and you don't need to do that. You can get started in the next few months, learn everything that you need to learn, and do it for just thirty-seven bucks and learn from someone who's been doing it for a number of years now and knows exactly they know what you need to learn, they know how to teach it to you, and they're gonna do that. So that sounds like you know, if you're one of those people that's, yeah, where do I sign up? 
head on over to johnmorrisonline.com slash php. You want to make sure and use that link specifically. That is an affiliate link, but it's also a discount link. So you're going to get 26% off the regular price of the course, and you're going to get access, like I said, to all 265 lectures. You'll also get access to the chat area where you can interact with other students and the instructors. There's over 13,000 students enrolled in the course. Edwin Diaz is the instructor. He's been a freelance web developer for a number of years and knows exactly what he's talking about uh, and is in the there in the chat to help you, other students, and so forth. So you can get this taken care of. You can get PHP mastered, and you can get down the path, get on with your career and making your living as a full-time web developer. So again, don't underestimate this. Don't overlook it just because you may have heard about this stuff before. You can get this taken care of. And all you need to do is go to johnmorrisonline.com slash php. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the John Morris Show, johnmorrisonline.com. All right. So as I mentioned, I got a question over on YouTube from D. McDonald. And the question asked about how do you strike a balance between getting better at coding and learning how to market yourself as a developer? And I'd done a podcast, gosh, it's probably been a couple years ago now, uh, titled along the lines of why does it take forever to learn how to code? If you go on YouTube and do a search for a title like that, you should see it come up. And I really went in heavy on why the traditional approach that most people take ends up costing them more time. And the reason that it is, not to fully recap that episode because I really went into a ton of detail over there. But the reason ultimately is, is that what a lot of people end up doing is they have to split time between uh, a job that they're working that isn't tech related at all, and then learning how to code on the side. And what happens as a result is they have a very, very limited amount of time that they can spend actually trying to teach themselves how to code. Because they they just have eight or ten hours a day that they're doing something else, and then by the time they get to learning how to code, they're you know they're they're tired. They don't have much time. They're trying to balance. You know, maybe they have kids and they got to get sleep and eat and all that stuff. And it really tends to squeeze out the the amount of time and the amount of result you can get out of the time that you can spend learning how to code, and often causes coders to learn or to take it for it to take longer for coders to learn how to code. On top of that, as I've mentioned time and time again, they think there's this huge, massive list of skills that they need to learn. I mean, so often when I talk to developers, they have in this head that they have to, they have like this, this list of like a hundred skills. They have to be able to, you know, be able, they have to be able to write the next Facebook before they can take on clients. And that 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 kind of seems like the 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 idea that they have in their head, or they need to be able to write the next Instagram before they can take on clients or whatever. There's just this massive list of skills, and those skills have no they don't have any there's no rhyme or reason to them. There's nothing about them that is linking them together. It's just they have this idea in their head that these are the skills that they have to learn and in my opinion. That, it's not true, A, and B, that is the long way to a career in tech. The short way is to, what I talk about all the time, 
is to specialize and focus on end results. And that's why I harp on this all the time, because this is how you methodically build your career. You specialize, you start off by specializing in an end result. It could be anything. You can literally, quite literally pick anything that you want. So for me, it was membership sites. And to be honest with you, it wasn't a ton of coding. It was the fact that I you know, I was built I was using WordPress and I was using a plugin that I happened to know really well. And it was my knowledge of that plugin and then some a little bit of my marketing knowledge because at that time I didn't have near the marketing knowledge that I have now because I hadn't worked on the big projects that I've since worked on. But I had some because I had been in sales before. And so it it was a little bit of my marketing knowledge or my sales knowledge. For me, those were the things that were marketable. And there was a little bit of coding in that. I did know how to code and create certain things, but I was by no means the greatest coder on the planet. And so I specialized in delivering an end result, delivering membership sites. So it could be anything. I talk about forms all the time because there's such a huge market and there's so many different little niches for the forms market that you can get into that you could get in and dominate that I think is one of the easiest places to get in. But whatever it is that you decide, you pick some sort of end result. This is where you have to start. Not with really even the language per se. Now I talk a lot about PHP and there's reason why I recommend PHP as the language because of its popularity, because of all the different tools and support and so forth that's out there. But really, it's even beyond the language at first. You need to pick the end result that your client wants. I talk about this all the time. If you go on an Upwork profile and you see someone who says, I specialize in HTML, CSS, PHP, etc., that means nothing to clients. They most probably don't even know what those languages are. Or if they do, they have just have some vague understanding. What clients want are end results. And so you specialize in an end result. And again, you can just pick anything that you want. So pick one. And then do a little bit of research to verify that there's a market out there for it. So go on Upwork. Kind of figure out what the, the the search terms people are using to search for that end result. So for me, it would be membership site. You know, for forms, it might be pretty form or it might be Ajax form or whatever. Just figure out what the terms are that people use to search to get that end result. And then go on Upwork and type in those searches and see if there's people that are looking for that kind of thing. It could be responsive web design. It could be... WordPress theme. It could be Drupal plugin if the Drupal has plugins. I don't know. But it could be any of those things. And look on Upwork and see if people are searching for that. If you see some, then good. That's a good indicator. Also look out there for other products and services. Is somebody selling, is there somebody out there selling a a forms plugin for WordPress? Or a membership site plugin? Or a membership site software? Or form software, there's services out there like WooFoo and SurveyMonkey. These are all indicators that there's a market for these products. And then you can also check to see if there's WordPress plugins. 
that do this kind of thing? How many installs does it have? You know, like there's an SEO plugin that has over a million active installs. There's Forms plugin, I believe, that has close to there, maybe half a million. I, I talked the other day about a uh, calendar plugin that has like 400,000 active installs. Look and see if there's people that want this end result. If there is, and there's competitors in that market, that's a good sign for you. Because it shows you that there's people that are willing to pay money for this end result. And that's ultimately what you need, is people willing to pay money. Once you've done that, then, then you identify the skills that you need to learn to build that single end result. Not this mountain of skills, just the skills to deliver on that end result. And you learn how to build a really badass version of that end result. So a membership site, a form, a calendar, etc. Focus all your time and all your energy on learning how to build a really great version of that end result. The kind that you know a potential client or customer would look at and go, whoa, that is cool. That's the set of skills that you should learn. And when you do that, what you'll find is it's much, much smaller. It's much, much more contained than this mountain of skills that you think that you need to learn. Now, let me give you a little hint here. You might think at this point, well, gosh, there's a WordPress plugin that has over a million installs or there is, you know, there's a service that really does this or there's already a product out there. As a freelancer in particular, building custom solutions, you always have an advantage because these plugins, even though they'll, I mean, it's not something that if you ask them, they're ever going to say, but they have to, they have to hold back a little bit because they have to have their plugin or, you know, their, their service or their product work for tons and tons of different scenarios. It's very hard for them to customize it on an individual basis because, you know, let's say a membership site, you know, I, I charge anywhere from three to $5,000 for a membership site. You can sign by membership uh, software for a couple hundred bucks. So they have to sell to far more clients than I do in order to make money. So they have to have a much wider reach than I do as a service provider. So as a service provider, you can almost always be much more custom and give it ultimately a better end product than someone who's providing you know, just a generic plugin or product to a bunch of different people. You always have the advantage. I'm not saying that you're always going to be better. That depends on your skill. But you always have the advantage in that regard because you can always be much more custom because you're working one-on-one with clients. Whereas these these products and services and plugins, just by what they are, have to service just a larger group of people. So when you're getting into learning how to build a really cool version of this end result, you can really dig into it because when as a service provider, if that's the route that you're going to go, you can really dig in with each client and, and make it work for them and tweak it and so forth. So again, learn how to build a really, really cool version 
of this end result that you're specializing in. Again, we're talking about one end result at this time. Okay, it shouldn't take you too long to do that. It really shouldn't. It's not this five-year list of skills. It's a small set of skills, and if you just constantly work at it, you should very, very quickly get very good at it and be able to deliver a very high-quality product in a short amount of time. Then what you do is you now start to work on the business side of things. So in building this product, you're going to learn how to manage a product. You're going to learn how to meet deadlines and work with revision software and maybe even hire devs and manage a team. Right? You're going to learn that aspect of it, which is an aspect of it you're going to need to know how to do. Along with that, you're also going to need to learn how to market it how to advertise, how to copyright, how to create content that ultimately leads to a sale, how to run an email list. But because you're focused on this one end result instead of 10, you can really focus in and get good at selling that one thing and marketing that one thing and learn the better you get, the more money you're going to make. And ultimately, you'll reach a point where you don't have to do a regular job anymore. And when you get to that point, that's what really frees up your time. Now you can spend your whole day focused on this one thing and you have a ton more time to learn, get better at coding, get better at advertising and so forth. So the answer to how do I balance it all is to really narrow the scope of what you're trying to learn down to a, a single end result that you can still earn income off of to the point you're able to quit or leave your existing job and do this full time, which then opens up a ton of time that you now have available to, to really get better at coding, to get better at marketing and so forth. And so this is always the path that I recommend is focus in on some really tight, narrow niche and get to the point where you can get free of whatever other job that you might have that's sucking up all your time. And then once you're free of that, that's when you can open up. Once you're good at delivering on this product, you've got a system in place. You know how to manage the project. You know how to manage your team if you have one. You're providing support. You're, you know, you're marketing it well. And you know, you've, you know that you're, you're pretty good at marketing and advertising and you're getting clients on a regular basis and so forth. Then, once you've learned all of that once, now all you got to do is apply it to another end result. Now just pick another end result. If you have to, some people can just do this one thing and you never have to add another service. You may not actually ever have to do anything other than this one first thing that you do. But if you do or you want to, then you can just pick another end result and now you already know the process. Sure, it's different code that you're going to have to write. It's a different product project you're going to have to manage. It's different marketing you're going to have to do, but you know the basics. You know how to make it work. And so now you can implement it for this new end result. Now, for a lot of people, when I say this, this is music to your ears. This is what you've been looking for. And if so, then take what I've said and run with it. But I know there's also a group of you listening to this that will hear that and go, oh, I don't want to do all that stuff. I just want to write code. 
So there's a couple things for you. First off, look, this the world is what it is. You may just want to write code, but more and more that's just it's becoming just not possible. I mean, look at a guy like Mark Zuckerberg. You may like him, not like him, whatever. But he started out just writing code. I bet he barely writes any code now. I'm sure if you asked him when he first started, he would have said, oh, I just want to be able to write code. But that's just not how it works. And the way our world is advancing, this is just the cost of doing business. If this is what you want to do, then, you know, if you want to, if you want to have the freedom of being a freelancer, yet having steady clients come in, I'm sorry, I don't know what to tell you. But this is what you have to do. Of course, you don't have to freelance, right? But even if it's a regular job, even if you just go to work for somebody else doing this, you still have to learn how to get hired, right? How to create an attractive resume, how to apply to the jobs in a way that gets noticed, where to apply, how to apply, how to nail the interview, how to make a first good impression, good first impression, how to move up. There's still a whole set of skills, how to work with people, how to not be a D-bag to your boss and your coworker. Like there's a whole set of skills that you have to learn that have nothing to do with technical skill. So no matter what route you go, there's a process to this. And there's things that you're going to have to learn. And you're not just going to be able to write code. You're going to have to go to meetings. You're going to have to talk to coworkers. You're going to have to deal with bosses and project managers and so forth. That's the nature of the beast. That's the way it works. So if you have this idea of there's something that you can do out there where you just write code, it doesn't exist. Now, some jobs you'll write code more than others, sure. But there's always something else that you're going to have to do. So there's always these corollary skills. And so the approach of limiting the scope of the technical skill that you need so that you can focus on those other skill other skills outside of the technical ones is what you need in order to get there much, much faster. Then once you have the job or once you have the business up and running, then you can expand your skill set to other end results and learn all the things that you want to learn and everything else that you need to. Okay, so the balance comes from specializing in end results. That's where the balance comes from. Because now you don't have this mountain of skills that you need to learn. You have a very narrow set. You can figure that out, create a really great end product, learn how to manage the the, the product or the team or whatever, the business side of it, learn how to market, etc. And move from thing to thing to thing. And then once you have it all down pat to where you're doing it in your sleep, then you can expand your product line and your skill set. Right? Now, this brings up kind of a corollary question that I got over on YouTube that I wanted to address. It's not exactly the same thing, but I think it uh, there's some some crossover here. So, this came from Mad Puro, which is one of those fun YouTube names, but it says whether it takes a few months or a year, the discouraging part is seeing the requirement sub-job job listings post. Usually talk about four four years minimum of experience. But I thought to myself, maybe with 
acknowledgeable product projects achieved in a short time, I can make them overlook how long one has been coding, question mark, as a question. So because I'm thinking of making example websites, build a nice portfolio, and even, and eventually help someone have their own site to then see if I can find a job that way, what do you think? And I'm going to go back to an episode I did a while back, and uh, it's escaping me off the top of my head. I believe it was Chris Sean was the name of the guy that had emailed me and told me that he had got it. He had just decided to go for it and apply for a job. And he had built his website as an example of what he could do. He'd built it on Bootstrap because they were looking for someone who knew Bootstrap. They had said PHP was knowing PHP was a plus, but it wasn't a requirement. And so he applied for the job. He went in for the interview. He had his site that he had built about, built about, I think he's a less than a day before he had gone in for the interview and he got hired. Now, if I had to guess, this job probably had some sort of requirement of XYZ degree or minimum years of experience, etc. I can tell you from having done hiring and and hired people now, I was smart enough when I was in control of it that I didn't put out stupid requirements that I was never going to follow. But a lot of times these requirements are the they're there just because they think there's they should have them there. I don't know how job after job after job that I've applied to and gotten where they said you needed a four year degree and I, I don't to this day I still don't have a four year degree. Or they said you need X number of years of experience and I wouldn't have the experience, I'd still apply. If you can ace the interview if you can really go in there and wow them in the interview, that stuff's not going to matter. Or you have, I mean, do you really care if someone has 10 years of experience if you go to the example of their work that they give you and it's terrible? Do you really care if someone has six months of experience and you go to the example of the work that they give you and it's really great? At the end of the day, they don't really care. Now, I imagine there's probably some companies out there that just absolutely they will not hire somebody if you don't have these certain requirements. Those companies probably exist, but I think those are the exception, not the rule. That most companies just want the best people and they put these requirements out there because it works as a filter. It gets the people who aren't really confident in what in their skill set to not apply. But when you have someone who maybe doesn't have the requirement but comes in and blows you away in the interview, shows you an example of their work that's really great, do you really think these companies are going to say, sorry, you're like way qualified for the job, you're perfect, but you don't have a four-year degree? No, what most of them will say is, wink, wink, you can get your degree while you work here. And then this, the topic basically never comes up again. Or if it does, they pay for you to get your degree. So you, you can't you can't look at this stuff. I mean, I'm... Remember, I applied for a sales job and the requirements, it was like a senior level sales position and the requirements were like 10 years of experience in sales and you'd had to have XYZ position before and like the requirements were ridiculous and I didn't, I wasn't anywhere close. I'd had just a couple years experience in sales. I had been really good at it, but I said, screw it. I'm going to apply anyway. And this was a very kind of high-level sales position, very 
high paying position working with uh, a very big company. Uh, and so I, I mean, there was a part of me that was like, no way I'm going to get this. But I got the interview, went to the interview, blew away in the interview, and got hired for the job. So you just can't let these things get to you. And again, you know, the people that do the hiring for these positions, they're human beings just like clients, just like everybody else. So if they're looking for someone to fill a position making bootstrap websites, and you come in saying, hey, I'm a bootstrap specialist, right? Not not saying like everybody else, oh, I know HTML, CSS, I know PHP, I know MySQL, I know Ruby on Rails, I know this, I know that. 90% of that is irrelevant to them. It's like, okay, cool, but I need really need someone who knows bootstrap. And you come in and say, well, I'm a bootstrap expert. Look at these 20 sites that I built with bootstrap or these 20 examples that I have of bootstrap websites and they look at them like wow these are really good you are much more likely to get hired for that position they are just as susceptible to this idea of a specialist versus a generalist as anybody else and so you could do the exact same thing you can focus on an end result go out do some research see what kind of uh, jobs people are hiring for that you're interested in. Don't guess. Go and look. Go to, you know, go to IBM or GE or Google or Buffer or whatever. Twitter, Facebook. What positions are they hiring for? How can you make yourself come across as a specialist in that particular area? What skills do you need to learn? What things do you need to build in order to demonstrate your skill as a specialist in that area? Then go do that. Put it on your resume, apply, and chances are, I think there's a really good chance that you're going to get hired doing that. So specializing and focusing on end results. This is why I harp on this all the time. It is the path of least resistance to getting a position, a job, a freelance business, etc. in tech is by focusing and specializing in end results. It makes your learning time quicker. It's less for you to have to try and figure out. It makes it easier for you to learn how to market yourself or your product. It makes it easier for you to figure out how to manage your time and manage your project and manage other people if you need to. It makes it easier for you to figure out who to apply with, how to apply, how to interview, how to make a good first impression, how to do all the things outside of the technical skill necessary for you to get hired, for you to run a business, for you to do whatever you want to do when it comes to your coding career. Specialize in end results. And so again, I know I harp on it all the time. I know you're probably like, ugh. But I just, I continue to get the question. I continue to pe- see people not doing it. And so when someone asks me this, I'm sorry, but the answer is the same. What you need to do is go do it. The people that have done it, they come back to me and say, huh, what do you know? It worked. It worked really well. And that's because all across the board, Freelance clients, companies, customers, etc. 
they are susceptible to the idea of a specialist being better at their job than a generalist. So use that to your advantage. Now, speaking of specialist, if you're someone who wants to be a PHP specialist, then I want to encourage you to head on over and take my free PHP course at johnmorrisonline.com slash learn PHP. You're going to learn all of the skills that you need to become a highly skilled PHP coder. And you can, of course, enroll for that free again at johnmorrisonline.com slash PHP. All right. Thanks for sticking with this episode. I, uh, you probably noticed I'm a little under the weather. I'm sure my voice sounds a little crazy and I've been a little sniffly, but appreciate you sticking it out with me. <laughs> if you like this episode, be sure to like it so they know that you like this kind of content. If you know somebody who'd benefit from hearing this, I'd appreciate it if you'd share it with them. And if you haven't yet, be sure to subscribe so that you never miss an episode. Again, these are the podcast-only versions you'll find only on Android at johnmorrisonline.com slash Android, iTunes at johnmorrisonline.com slash iTunes, and SoundCloud at johnmorrisonline.com slash SoundCloud. Be sure to go over there, leave me a review, and subscribe to the show. Thanks again for listening. We'll talk to you next time.